Hi everyone, Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today, we are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to speak life into each and every person. I thank you that every single person here that's going to minister today is speaking nothing but life. And we want everybody here, God, not to just get something out of the message they can use a year from now. No. We want them to get something out of the message today that they can use and change their life immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray, amen. You know, family, we're in our Art of War series, and this is part two. As you know, you know we led it off with Pastor Shalita tearing the Bible off the rim. Just, just walked a hole in the stage. But as you can see, they fixed it, they fixed it, they fixed it. They fixed it. But, you know, suit up before you dress up. Don't put your spiritual armor to the side. Always be prepared. Got to like that word. Today, we have something that's familiar to some, a little new for others, so I'm going to explain what it is. But just realize that today, you as, say, viewers, congregation, get to participate by answer, asking some questions. A set of questions that we've already put together, and you know what it's called. It's called Get the Word on It. My man, Cumin Things. Yeah, boy. All right, now. Y'all know how to do it. Get your hands together. Come on now. Hey. Oh, yeah. Say you can't have fun on Sunday morning. <laughs> ah, I love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So for those of you who don't know, what is Get the Word On? We have a set of questions and we're going to have someone who's going to be your host walking around and they'll present you with a card. On that card will be a question. Now sometimes that question you know, we're going to do our best to make sure that the question itself, you know, is fitting to the person that we hand it to. For example, if it sounds like a guy question, we're going to try to give it to a guy. But if by chance you happen to get one and it's not, just read the question. <laughs> then I'm like, don't pass it to nobody else. Let's keep this thing, let's keep this thing rolling. And just for, for your information, remember about a month or so ago, we asked, hey, if anyone has any questions, for the Art of War series, think that you're, there's a burning question inside of you, submit them to the question box. I also got with the intercessor team and I said, listen, you know, what type of things when you pray is, is, is God telling you? And to their credit, they turned it back on me. Well, pastor, what kind of questions, what kind of things are people asking you when they come up for prayer? Is it family stuff? Is it financial? What, what are they asking? So, what we've done is we've compiled some questions, hopefully some of them that you've asked and some of them that we have. And we're going to just flat out get the word on it. Here is how it works, though. When you read the question, at the end of the question, you're going to say, give me the word on it. After the person answers it, they're going to respond to you, that's the word on that. And we move on to the next question. I'm getting ready to take my seat, and I'm going to introduce you to our host for today, Miss Jackie Joyner. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good morning and welcome to this edition of Get the Word on It. As he mentioned, I am your host. I am Jackie. I am the director for the intercessory prayer team here in Wesley Chapel. And today our panel will consist of none other than Miss Marilyn Williams. Let's welcome her up. Amen. Hallelujah. Also, we'll have Miss Daryl Jean Baptiste. And let's welcome none other than Miss Sarah Fade. 
Amen. They're beautiful, blessed, anointed women of God. Hallelujah. I would also like for our other intercessors to stand up so that you can see who is on the intercessory prayer team. Intercessors, please stand. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And some people may say, well, who or what is an intercessor? We pray and intercede on behalf of the ministry and others. If you were here for corporate prayer, you heard a prayer concern for last month. There was a young lady who was missing in Plant City. Her car, part of it was found on the track. So we commanded a release of her body in Jesus' name, that her whereabouts would be made known. Um, and God revealed some other things. But that's what we do. We go to on the behalf and petition um, for others to the Lord. So we're going to go ahead and get started with our questions and answers this morning. And we know that you'll be blessed. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. All right. Question number one. What is prayer and how do we pray? That's a great question. When we think about prayer, the first thing that comes to my mind is relationship. God wants a relationship with each and every one of us, and that is of utmost, utmost importance to him. And so think about when you talk about relationships in the natural, what's one of the key ingredients people always come up with? Communication. Communication. And that is a giving and receiving. That's talking and listening. He has things he wants to share with us, and he wants to hear from us. So it's a giving and receiving, a talking and a listening. And God is the one person that we can be completely real with. I want to go to a scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13 in the King James Version. There's another place in the Bible where it says, pour out your heart before God. He's the one person that can take it. <laughs> he can take us being real and telling him the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he wants us to do that. Pour out your heart to him. Be real with him. Now, the other um, thing that people will say is like, well, how do I pray, right? Well, there is no format that you have to follow. God doesn't want us to be legalistic. You know, if I were to come up to my husband every day and say, good morning, honey. You know, the sky is blue and the grass is green. Have a great day. Every single morning, good morning, sweetheart. The sky is blue and the grass is green. Have a great day. After a while, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, I know. You know, it's like I don't even want to, because I'm coming with him at the same way, same thing. It's just not personal. It's not real. So you don't have to follow a format. God just wants you to communicate with him. He wants to be your best friend, your confidant, your counselor, all of that. Now, at the same time, if you say, well, you know, I need a little bit of help a little bit of guidance or instruction to help me out. Well, then Matthew chapter 6 could be used as sort of an outline. But again, he doesn't want us to just pray those exact words every single time we come to him. But if you want to use it as an outline, you could. And um, they're going to put it up on the screen for us in a moment. As they're doing that, just to remind you, the word also talks about entering in with praise and thanksgiving, um, coming boldly to his throne, because he wants us to come. So we can come boldly and with confidence in uh, knowing that he's there to receive us. So in Matthew chapter 6, it starts off uh, verse 9 through 13 in the King James. It says that our father, so we can address who he is. Um, hallowed be thy name. That's basically acknowledging who he is to you. Healer, call on him as healer, as protector, as provider. Um, it goes on to say... Thy kingdom come? Yes? Amen. So we pray his will be done in our lives and in every area. So this is an outline. If you look at it literally as an outline, these little statements are giving you a prompt as to how you can then continue that personal conversation with him. Give us this day our daily bread. So you're talking about provision in whatever you need. I need wisdom today, Lord, that I can answer these questions that the students ask me. I need protection, you know. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. So releasing, right? just as we want to be released. Lead us not into temptation, asking for his guidance to order our steps and deliverance from all evil. Amen? Amen. Deliverance from coronavirus. Amen? Amen? All evil. All evil. 
We have it. And for thine, we, we start off with praise and thanksgiving and we end with it. For thine is the kingdom, the glory, and the power forever and ever. So again, an outline if you feel you need somewhere to get started. But again, it goes back to just relationship. He wants to talk with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's the word on it. Amen. Thank you. All right, question number two. Uh, what is faith and how do I strengthen mine? Oh, what's, what's the word on it? That's another great question. And for that, let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'd like to, us to look at this in the King James Version, and then we'll also look at it in the Amplified Classic. Hebrews 11, verse 1, starting off in the King James. A lot of people refer to this as the faith chapter, the faith book. Amen? And so in Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, now faith. Faith is now. It's not, okay, well, I'll start believing later. No, right, if I want it, I want now. I have to believe now. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let's also look at that in the Amplified, the same verse. In the Amplified, it says, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. If I were to come in here and tell you guys, I have a Bentley. I got a Bentley. Some of you might be like, oh, wow, that's wonderful. Others might look me up and down and be like, yeah, sure, right. Okay, we believe you. But if I pulled out a piece of paper, the title deed, and said, look, my name's on it. It's got the name of the car. You would believe me without even seeing that Bentley, right? Well, hold up your Bible, those of you who have that that Bible is your title deed for every promise, every promise, every one of them. All you have to do is find it and read it and say, this is it. This is mine. I own it. I have it. It's already done. So you see here in uh, the Amplified, it says it's the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, right? And then it says faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. I may not see it right now manifested, but he said it. He, put it in, he took the time to put it in writing for me. I have proof that it is done already. So faith is believing in the integrity of God, believing that he will do what he said he will do, that he is faithful. Amen. And you know, that same chapter, verse six says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God wants us to believe that he is able and that he is a good God, a rewarder. Amen? Amen. And that's the word on it. Thank you. Thank you. So what does it mean to praise God? I see people in church shouting and running around, but I don't do those things. I love God dearly, but sometimes feel like they love him more. Should my praise be more expressive? Give me the word on it. What is praise? Praise means to give honor and thanks to God. It's expressing adoration and approval to the one who loves us so dearly. It's celebrating God for who he is and what he's done for us. It's exalting him and his name above any in everything, any and every situation, if you just put a praise, what is this, put a praise on it. Put a praise on it and see God move. It's um, giving him thanks for his love, his patience, his kindness, his forgiveness. It's just loving on God. And um, the second part of that is you see others praising God in a different way. But God doesn't want everybody to praise him the same way. Amen. Your praise has to be authentic. It has to be from the heart. It has to be genuine for what he's done for you, not what he's done for somebody else. So because you may see them running around the church or shouting, your praise may just be standing before him. Your praise could be clapping. Your praise could be crying. Your praise could be kneeling before him. Just giving him glory and giving him honor. Psalms 100 says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good 
His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. So he just wants us to just love on him, praise him, give him honor, give him glory, because it's do his name. And that's the word on it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Amen. How do you praise God when you don't feel like it? And it seems that so much is going wrong. Okay, praise is not um, based on our feelings or our emotions. Praise is an act of our will. Our will has to override our emotions because our emotions have us over here, it'll have us over there, it has it up, down, and you will never want to praise God. Remember, we're in a spiritual warfare. The enemy doesn't want you to praise God. So he's going to send everything, he's going to throw the kitchen at you. Any and everything he can to stop you from praising God. So your feelings and your emotions have to override that. God has the answer to everything that we need. We have to fight through with praising him, giving him a sacrifice of praise. In 1 Thessalonians verse 5 and 18, it says, in, in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. And that's the Passion Version. Psalms 27 and 6 says, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. And that's the NIV. So it doesn't matter how we feel. Just praise him. And see your situation turn around. What the song says, late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. Okay, so we can praise him in the midnight hour. He may wake you up in the midnight hour to praise him. So when he wakes you up, get up. And that's the word on it. There are two times we should praise God, when you feel like it and when you don't. Sometimes you don't feel like going to work, but you know what? You make a decision, an act of your will, and you go. I want to share some things with you about praise. Praise affects you. Praise is initiated by you. Praise is an act of your will. It's your conscious choice. Praise turns your attention from yourself to God. Praise remembers who God is and recounts what he's done. Praise celebrates who God is and agrees with what he has already done. But praise also comes from an obedient heart. Let's go to Psalm 34, 1. Psalms 34, verse 1. Psalm 34, verse 1. And we can read this together. Ready? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So it doesn't say I'll bless the Lord when I feel like it. I'll bless the Lord sometimes. I'll bless the Lord at praise and worship. It doesn't just say that time. It says at all times. And then we have another familiar passage of scripture. You can write this down. Psalms 150 verse 6. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And in the Hebrew translation, it means let everyone that hath breath praise the Lord. So there may be times that you don't feel like praising God, but something I heard Miss Marilyn say, she says, Holy Spirit, help me to praise God the way that he deserves. And don't forget that you have a helper. Psalms 121 says that the Lord is my helper. And if you ask him to help you, he will faithfully help you. That's the word on it. All right, our next question. Daryl. I hear people talk about waging spiritual warfare. What does it mean when people say spiritual warfare? Can you give me the word on that? Amen. Um, let us go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 12. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 12. Um, oftentimes, when I'm ask the definition of something, or if I'm thinking about something, I always think about what something is not. So spiritual warfare is not scary. Um, and it's not scary because through Jesus, we've already been given the victory. 
So oftentimes, you know, sometimes people think of spiritual warfare as something that they should be afraid of, and that's not the way that God has told us to think about it. So if we go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 from the New Living Translation, and it reads, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rule, rulers and, author, and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So spiritual warfare is not something that we can see on a day-to-day -day basis. It's something that happens. Um, the Holy Spirit gave me, it's being pressured to not believe God's prom promises. That's actually what spiritual warfare is about. When you feel that pressure that you don't want to believe what you know you've read in the word of God, that's that spiritual warfare. You, it's not, you know, you're not going to see bells go off like dings. It's starting. It's literally when you feel that pressure, that pressure that says that God's word isn't going to work for you. That's spiritual warfare. Um, and we are already victorious because Jesus Christ's death, blood, resurrection has allowed for us to be victorious in all things. And that's the word on that. Thank you, Miss Darrell. Miss Marilyn and Miss Sarah, I want to ask a question. What can I ask God about? God, anything and everything. That is God wants us to. Anything. <laughs> you can ask God about anything. Would you agree, Miss Marilyn? Yes, that's in his will. Oh, Okay. Because we don't want to be asking for, like Pastor Paul used to say, for a nickel bag of weed. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> thank you for thank you for clarifying that. Okay. All right. All right. So anything except those things, we yeah. we gotta ask for what's in His will. Amen. I know sometimes people will think, well, this is a small thing, or this is too big. There's nothing too small and nothing too big. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, a very familiar scripture to all of us, it says, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. In all our ways. Lord, what you want me to wear today? What should I be eating and drinking? What should I be eating and drinking? What should I be eating? <laughs> and drinking and then following his instructions because he made us he knows exactly what we need and he wants us again back to the beginning relationship he wants us to be in constant communication with him about everything everything is important to him think about the verse that talks about the very hairs of our head are numbered so of course he wants to um, hear from us and take care of us so again we can ask him about anything would you yes we can and also if he would put Romans chapter 12, verse 1 from the Message Bible. Um, he wants us to ask him, talk to him about everything. Now, ladies, we can attest to this. You know, oh, well, I can't. I like shoes. So, you know, I'll go in the mall and go in dealers, and they got a sale on, you know. So I'm trying on every kind of shoe I can, and it's not, it ain't working. Because I'm not, I didn't ask him if I could buy a pair of shoes. I wanted to buy a pair of shoes. So I, I wind up not getting anything because I'm like, I guess it ain't my day, Lord. You got something else for me to do with this money. So we have to ask him about everything, every little thing, what to put on in the morning, which direction, which way should I go to work? You know, we always have a certain, we always go the same direction. He may want you to go a different direction that morning because he knows traffic is backed up. And we're running late, so um, we need to go a different route. <laughs> I was just gonna um, add. I was just gonna add that any area of our life that we keep God out of, or try to keep God out of, is not good. We we, you know, the question was, what should we pray about? And we are saying anything and everything. But sometimes we try to keep God out of certain areas, as if we're trying to protect that part, because it's like, okay, God, I have this over here. Um, so we just have to be careful that we're not trying to keep God out of any area of our life because, first of all, he knows anyway. He knows us. He created us. 
Um, he knows us better than we know ourselves. So, amen. And Romans chapter 12, verse 1, from the Message Bible, it says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So he wants every part of our lives. And Philippians 4 and 6, from the Passion Version, it says, don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. Amen. Every detail. Not like, um, I forgot your name. <laughs> That's the word. That's Darryl the word was, on that. <laughs> I got you. If Darrell was saying, don't, don't shut off any part of your life from him. Because he can't work in that area if you, if you close it off. And that's the word on it. Amen. 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 You ladies are doing a good job. Let's show them appreciation by giving them a hand clap. All right, our next question, forget the word on it. Yeah. This question is for Miss Marilyn and Sarah. When I pray to God, how do I know he heard me and what, and when, and what his answer is? Give me the word on that. Well, I'm reminded of a scripture, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 in the King James. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 in the King James. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, as Miss Marilyn pointed out earlier, amen, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So when we pray, he's just told us here, and remember we talk about faith is believing the word of God, believing his integrity. He says, when you pray, I hear you. I remember Pastor Deborah said, when we pray, God hears you the first time, and he answers the first time. And you're wondering, okay, well, what is his answer? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, also in the King James Version, it tells us right there what his answer is. It says, for all, anything left out of all? For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. So all of his promises are yes and amen. Like we said earlier about the Bible being our title deed to every benefit and promise, you find it in his word, and you can say yes and amen. Amen. And then Mark 11, um, chapter 24, I mean, Mark 11, verse 24, it says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So you just not, don't just ask. You got to believe. If you don't believe it, then how can it manifest? And then Matthew 21 and verse 22, it says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So the, our part is also believing. And that's the word on it. I agree. Amen. Amen. Thank you for giving us the word on it. The next question that we received says, people say they hear from God. How do I know when I've heard from God? Amen. Um, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse From the King James Version, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Amen. 
So first, God is not an author of confusion. So when you believe that you've heard from God, there should be no confusion. There should be no frustration. Um, you should have peace about it. You also um, know, gotta know that God, when you ask him something, that he will answer. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse three. We're gonna go there, please. Jeremiah 33, verse three. The scripture talks about when we call on God that he will answer us. So Miss Marilyn just talked about us believing. So when you ask God and you believed it, that, you, that he heard you, first know that he's not gonna do anything that's gonna cause confusion. Secondly, when we call on him, know that he will answer you. And I think sometimes we put a timetable on when we want God to answer. Amen. Not any of you. Me. I put a timetable on when I want God to answer me. I'm sure you all are not doing that. Chapter 33, verse 3. It says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And that's key. Oftentimes we ask God things and we don't realize that there are things that we don't know. You know, we don't know certain things. Um, I can remember a time when before I bought my house, I'm like, God, why haven't I gotten my house yet? It, and it wasn't until when I bought my house, I realized why I didn't get it when God didn't give it to me because I didn't need it then. Um, our lives have to be in order. God does everything in decency and in order. And if he, I would have gotten the house when I thought I should have gotten the house, I might not still have it right now. Amen. Um, also, um, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 33. From the Amplified. And it reads, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulations and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. So when we ask God something, we got to know that because he's conquered the world, he's, he's not that he's too busy. God is not too busy to attend to what we have asked him and we must be confident and know that he will answer us but he's going to answer us in the way that he knows is best amen and that's the word on that amen amen thank you this question is for miss Marilyn. what does it mean to approach god boldly before the throne what's the word on it okay i'll give you the word on it if you could put uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 through 16 on the screen from the um, Passion Version. To approach God boldly means to approach God with freedom, with openness. It's being honest with him, unafraid to talk to him, unafraid to ask him about desires that he's placed in your heart. It, because he already knows everything. So when we try to go to him trying to hide something, he already know. He already know how you feel in your heart. He already knows what you're thinking. So you got to go both. The enemy wants us to be afraid to go to God. He wants us to go timidly and shy and scared. But God, he said to come boldly, step, you know, gird yourself up like a man. And he said, come to me. And I will give you rest. So we have to go boldly before God. And Hebrews chapter 4, it says, He understands humanity. For as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are, and conquered sin. So now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our times of weakness. 
So we can't allow the enemy, because it's a mind thing. You know, he works on our mind. He tries to work on our mind. Sometimes we let him work on our mind. And we don't want to go to God. We don't want to approach him at all. But he said to come boldly. That means with confidence, with honesty. Don't You can't go to God lying because he already know. <laughs> he already know. So just put away the shyness, put away the, bold, the, um, the being afraid, and just gird yourself up. And that's the word on it. Amen. Thank you so much. Miss Marilyn, I have done many things in my life, and I am not proud of them. How can I approach God knowing that, knowing what I have done? How can I approach God after I have messed up? This is a very personal question for me, so please give me the word on that. Amen. The word says in Romans 3 and 23 that all have sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So we can't allow the enemy to mess with our mind that because I messed up, I thought the wrong thing, I did the wrong thing, that I can't go to God. Because that's, like I said before, that's where our answer is. Um, in Matthew, if you can put Matthew eleven twenty-eight on the screen, 28 through 30, the Passion Version. He wants us to, that's where we need to go to him and not shy away from him. But a lot of times, we don't want to go to him because we've messed up. But he says, come to me, all who are weary. It says, are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine, learn my ways, and you will discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please, you will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. So he said, come, I'm your, I'm your, I can refresh you. I don't care what the situation was, how bad you think it is, because, you know, the enemy will make us think we've done the worst thing and God will not forgive us. He wants he's us already forgiven us of every sin. He wants us to think that nobody else has done it. Nobody else has done what you've done. Only you did that. It's, it's just isolated to you. That's one of the biggest, um, I don't know what to call it, lies, deceptions um, that God truly has brought me out of. When you're dealing with something, the enemy wants you to believe that you are the only one. God's word says there's nothing new under the sun. So if there's nothing new, that means that somebody has been through this already. This is why being connected, when we talk about spiritual warfare, that pressure, when that pressure is there, sometimes you got to reach out, show up to that event, show up to that whatever it is, because God has something for you there. Mm -hmm. He's waiting to give you that release. But we always have to remember that we are not the only ones dealing with whatever we're dealing with. God has an answer for it. God has somebody that has been through that so that they can help you. And you got to... <laughs> and we have to acknowledge that we've messed up. A lot of times we don't want to acknowledge that we've messed up. Yes. We have to acknowledge it and then we have to repent and we have to forgive ourselves. Amen. And that's where a lot of the root comes from. We don't forgive ourselves, so we don't think God is going to forgive us. But we got to forgive ourselves and then move on. Um, in Philippians 3 and 13, it says, I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do, it is my one inspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. So we got to forget, forget about it and move on. God wants us to move on. The enemy wants us to stay stagnant and, and you know, oh, I messed up and God ain't going to forgive me and if my friends find out about it and blah, blah, this and blah, blah, that. And God says, I've already forgiven you. Move on. So we got to forgive ourselves first. 
and love on ourselves because God loves us so very much and he wants the best for us. And that's the word. Amen. <laughs> How do I gain confidence that God loves me and wants the best for me? Ms. Jack A. Good question. Um, to gain confidence that God loves you and want the best for you, you're going to have to do as David did in 1 Samuel 30 and 6. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And not only that, you're going to have to believe that God loves you and wants the best for you. Um, if you're not at that place, how do you get to that place? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So let's look at a promise that God has given us and let us know what he's thinking about us and what he wants for us. Let's go to Jeremiah 29 and 11 in the Living Bible. Jeremiah 29 and 11 in the Living Bible. And I don't want us just to read it because we've heard it before, but you know, know and believe that this is what God wants for you and this is what God has for you. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, the Amplified version of that says, for I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And then another version, the Message Bible, part of it says, plans to take care of you. God wants to take care of you and not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. I also want us to go to the Amplified Classic version of 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Once again, 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. While we're going, someone say, God loves me. God loves me. Amen. Yes, he does. Verse 15 and verse 16. Anyone who confesses, acknowledges, owns that Jesus is the son of God, God abides, lives, makes his home in him, and he abides, lives, makes his home in God. And we know, understand, recognize, are conscious of, by observation and by experience and believe Adhere to and put faith in and rely on the love God cherishes for us. God is love, and he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. So encouraging yourself and ministering to yourself may sound something like this. God loves me. He always has, and he always will. God's plans for me are good and not evil. God will take care of me and not abandon me. God loves me. He always has and he always will. God is not mad at me. God is not disappointed in me. God is not against me. God loves me. I believe and I know that God loves me. Repeat that after me. God loves me. God loves me. He, always has, he always has and he always will. He always will. God's plans for me are for good and not evil. God will take care of me and not abandon me. God loves me. He always has. He always will. God is not mad at me. God is not disappointed in me. God is not against me. God loves me. I believe and I know that God loves me. Now, that's the word on that. Amen. 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 Our next question is, how do I pray for a loved one that's going through a challenge? That's a great question because we all have loved ones in our lives and we want the best for them just like God does, right? Well, if we go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, this is the outline that we were talking about earlier in the King James Version, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. It simply says there, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And so when you are asked to pray for a loved one or feel led to pray for a loved one, allow Holy Spirit to guide you in everything, of course, and know that you can pray God's will to be done in their life. 
Now, if it's something that we already know is God's will, for example, we know God's will is that all be saved. So if you're praying for a loved one to be saved, you can just directly pray specifically for that because that is his will. We know it's his will for all to prosper. He says so in his word. We know it's his will for all to walk in divine health. Amen? So we don't have to wonder what his will is on that. But if it is a situation where you're not sure which way you need to go, pray, God, your will be done in their life. And know that your prayers are powerful. Amen? And that's the word on it. Amen. Thank you. What does it mean to be in Christ? And how do I understand who I am in Christ? It's June Baptiste. Give me the word on that, sis. Amen. Um, so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if you can put that on the screen, please, um, amplify it. So first of all, being in Christ means that you're new. Um, being new means that all things have been made new, and that's what this scripture talks about. Um, I'll just give you an example. Um, I say this a lot to um, my niece. I say all things new. And Sometimes we think like, oh, does that mean all my clothes going to come new in the closet? And am I getting a new car? And is everything going to be new? But I mean, we, when I read that scripture, God really says it's about our habits. Our habits. What are we doing that we used to do all the time? But God says all things new. So if I used to go eat at that restaurant with this person that I loved so much, and then I don't love that person anymore, or we not together anymore. Why are you still going to that restaurant? All things new. If God is creating something new, you got to allow him to do something new. And, and simple things like that. Instead of going to that restaurant, go to another one. Because all things are new. Don't continue to put yourself in the position to keep remembering what used to be. Um. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, a fresh and new has come. So God just, and that's something that I've personally experienced. I've had to do it for myself. And I just believe that that scripture is not just talking about um, physical things. It's talking about our behaviors and our habits. And that's definitely how you know that you are um, in Christ because old things have passed away. And because those old things have passed away, I now do things new. I do new things. Well, I've never been to the, with the church to the Strawberry Festival. Well, all things new. Um, oftentimes, I think people don't want to do the new thing because they think they got to have some special something in order for them to get and be a part of. God is just waiting for you to do that new. And, it, you know, I, you, I gave the example of a restaurant, but I believe God is really speaking to us or certain people specifically right now that do something new. You don't have to continue to do the same thing. You have to change your behaviors so that you can then see the new that God has for you in that new place. Um, also in Colossians chapter 3, um, verse 3 and 4 from the Message Bible, the question says, how do I understand who I am in Christ? Part of that comes from what Miss Jackie just got, done, got uh, finished speaking about, which was knowing that God loves you. That's the beginning, knowing that God loves you, knowing that God loves you enough for your good, uh, uh, Pastor Poe used to say all the time, hope is a confident expectation of good. So if you know God loves you, then every morning there's a confident expectation of good. So in that spiritual warfare, you will be able to come against that pressure that's trying to tell you that you can't do what God says you can do. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 in the Message Bible, it says your old life is dead. You know, we got to not resurrect it. Amen. We can't keep going back to go get it and pick it up. Um, your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even through, even though invisible, though invisible to spectators, and that's the key. It's invisible to other people. Other people don't see. You still look the same. You coming to the same job. We still work here together. 
But God says all things new. All things are new. Um, and it is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content. I'm sorry, the real you. Be content with obscurity like Christ. Um, so this is one of the things that I'm very passionate about. I believe it is truly one of the reasons that I am where I am today because I allowed myself to really truly know who I am in Christ and continue to allow the word of God to tell me who I am and dispel a lot of the things that people had told me were not or was the way I was supposed to do things. So, for example, you know, everybody know Beyonce's song, you, you know, independent. Remember that independent woman? Anybody know? Just me? No, nobody know that? Okay. Y'all know. It's just me. Just me. I'm the only one who want God to work on my time. And I'm the only one who know that song. Okay, so that song, <laughs> that song specifically, like I remember being growing up and saying, you know, I'm going to be independent and I got this and I'm going. And then when I got to a place in my life and I rededicated my life to God, God just was like, you can't be independent. I need you to be dependent on me. And it seems so simple. But as we live in this world and we hear people, we're inundated with this independent, independent, independent. You can do it by yourself. You can do it on your own. You got that. You can, be, you can do that. Everybody. And it, did you see that person over there? They did that by themselves. And this story and that story. Everybody. But we have to be dependent on God. And then through Christ, we can do all things. And that's the word on that. This message is for Miss Marilyn. How does the Holy Spirit help me pray? Can I have the word on that, please? Amen. Amen. All right. First of all, um, I want us to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what his job is. So I'm going to read John chapter 14, verse 16 through 17. And uh, Jesus, Jesus said this. He says, and I will ask the Father... And he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may re remain with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, welcome into its heart, because it does not see him or know and recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be with you. So the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's our helper. He's our intercessor. He's our advocate. He's our strengthener, and he's our standby. So why would we not want him to help us pray? Amen. He already, he's, okay, it was Jesus, Father God, and the Holy Spirit. So he already knows what's on the Father's mind because he was right there with him from the beginning. So if you can put Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27 on the screen in the Passion Version. So he's there to help us pray when we don't know what to pray or how to pray. So we have, the, we have our helper, we have our advocate, we have our intercessors, because he's already praying for us. So if he's already praying for us, he can help us pray for others. Romans chapter 8 um, verse 26 and 27 from the Passionate Reads. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times, we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God, with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. So the Holy Spirit already knows what's on the mind of Christ. 
He already knows what needs to be prayed. In the natural, we run out of words. I know I run out of words sometimes. And the Holy Spirit already knows what to pray. He already knows the answer. He already knows everything. So we need the Holy Spirit to help us pray. We need the Holy Spirit to help us praise God the way he needs to be praised. We need the Holy Spirit. He's already lived. He's living on the inside of us. Everywhere we go, the Holy Spirit is there. So the Holy Spirit knows what's around the corner. We don't. So we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us pray at all times, every situation, every circumstance. And when we pray in the Holy Spirit, even though we're praying for others, we're building ourselves up in our most holy faith. So we need to rely on the Holy Spirit at all times to help us pray concerning our marriages, concerning our finances, concerning our jobs, our children. Because, oh, Lord knows. Amen. With children, you need the Holy Ghost. Amen. Every day. You need Every the day. Holy Ghost to help you pray. Every day. Every day. Every day. So just rely on him. He's there. He's, he's there. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to ask him something. He's waiting for you to say, help me pray regarding my child. Help me pray regarding my, my, my body. Help me pray regarding my parents. Help me pray regarding every area of my life. And that's the word on it. Amen. Uh, Ms. Darrell, what is the key to receiving a victory over my situation? Can I get the word on that? Amen. Um, we're going to just go to John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 from the Amplified. Um, victory is a mindset. We just went through the victory um, sermon series with Pastor Benjamin. Um, it is a, it's, a, it's a confidence. It's a knowing. Um, so John three sixteen. it's a very familiar scripture. And you may ask, you know, why choose that one? Because... Knowing that Christ came is the beginning of your victory over everything. Um, Jesus says that he came into the world so that we can be free, so we can be saved, so that we don't have to deal with anything. Um, the things that we do deal with are the things that we choose to deal with. How many of you would agree with that? Um, John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 from the Amplified. We'll read. It says, for God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son so that whatever that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, and relies on, that trusts in, clings to, relies on, him shall not perish, come to destruction, or be lost, but have eternal everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send the son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world, but the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. So God's word says that Jesus was sent so that we can have victory over the world, that there will be no destruction, that we would not be defeated. So it goes back to what we've all been talking about, that spiritual warfare, it's the pressures trying to decide whether or not you're going to believe what God says in his word. And it doesn't cost us anything. You know, believing God doesn't cost us anything. And that's the word on that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're at our last question. And the last question is, with all the storms in my life, sometimes I find it hard to pray. Honestly, at times, I just do not feel like it. I know that should not be my response, but it is. Why do I feel that way? We're in a spiritual warfare, and the enemy doesn't want us to pray. So he brings condemnation. He brings shame. He brings guilt. And that causes us not to want to pray. Um... I recently lost my mom this year, and I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to do nothing. But I had my church family who would come and encourage me and give me the word on it. And as they continued to do that, then it brought me back to where I needed to be because the enemy had me thinking, well, 
you know, did my mom call for me and I didn't hear her? Um, I should have done this, I should have done that. Mm -hmm. And condemnation was eating me up. But I thank God for my church family. And the word also says that Satan is the accuser. God does not condemn. So I thank my church family for helping me during that time. And just remember that Satan, he's going to try to condemn us about any and everything. The smallest little thing, he's going to try to work on our mind. But we got to stand strong. We got to stand strong and keep the faith. Amen. You know, the battle is in our mind. That's where it's going on. And we have to ask ourselves, what are we thinking? And as Miss Marilyn said, sometimes we're condemning ourselves, beating ourselves up. Other times, we're blaming God for the situation we're in. I know you may not want to say amen, but a lot of times people are blaming God for the situation. Why did you allow this to happen to me, God? During those times, we need to remind ourselves that God is a good God, a good father. He doesn't bring tragedy. He doesn't bring disease or sickness to try and teach you something. He's got those 66 books right there to teach you. He's got the Holy Spirit to teach you. Every good and beneficial gift comes from God. It's the enemy that is coming to steal, kill, and destroy So while we may feel like God is doing this, he's not. He's a good father, and we need to remind ourselves of that. So let's go to Romans chapter 8, King James Version, verse 35, and then we'll also read 38 and 39. The whole chapter is good, but Romans chapter 8, verse 35 in the King James. Again, because that battle is going on in our minds, we need to remind ourselves of the truth, which is God is good. And, you know, think about even though these trials and tests are going on, the facts may be saying something, but the truth outweighs the facts. All right. So, for example, you know, you may get a report from the doctor that you didn't want to get, that you didn't want to hear. But the truth on it is, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. He took all sickness and disease. They can't come up with anything new. There's nothing new under the sun. So the truth on it is I'm healed. Amen. So Romans chapter 8, just reminding ourselves how much he loves us. Verse 35 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This tribulation, distress, the persecution, the famine, the nakedness, the peril, or the sword? Mm -mm. Verse 38 and 39 of that same chapter says, I am persuaded. And this is where we need to be persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate me personalize it from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord there is nothing that can separate me from his love from his goodness I pastor Brian said you know the enemy is going to try and mess with your perception But he can't mess with your promise. He can't take it. Our job is just to believe how good God is and how much he loves us and that he wants the best for us. Amen. Um, I just, my my perspective on that is not feeling like it. So I've been a part of intercessory prayer since 2008, 2009. Um, And I'm saying that to say, and I have four children, so I have a lot of things going on. So this question says, I should not feel like that. I know that should not be my response. And then why do I feel that way? Um, I believe that because we are, you know, God says we have a, a spirit and a body. And in our bodies, our bodies may not feel like it, but our spirit is always willing. Um, set the atmosphere. I set the atmosphere. The, the song finds something to set the atmosphere and allow you to enter in and to give God that praise. Um, seek him, especially when you don't feel like it. Um, because at that moment, that's when we're most vulnerable because we're no, we're no longer trying to figure it out on our own. Um, so I would say 
Don't be concerned about not feeling like it. Um, set the atmosphere. Make a decision that you're going to pray anyway, especially when you, quote unquote, don't feel like it. Because then it's really not you. You're allowing God, like Miss Marilyn talked about, and allowing the Holy Spirit to pray through you. And it'll be God's will. Amen. And that's the word on it. Amen. Um, Psalm 23, verse 3 in the Living Bible. Psalm 23, verse 3 in the Living Bible. And while they're pulling that up, Matthew 26, 41 says, The spirit indeed is willing. So your spirit is always willing to pray. You know, and what I've learned to do is just to say, God, my spirit is willing. And immediately, Holy Spirit, just that fire. But he renews my strength is the New Living Translation. But the Living Bible says he gives me new strength. He gives me new strength. And he helps me to do what honors him the most. So don't forget that God has new strength available to us. But then our Holy Spirit helper will help us to do what honors God the most in Jesus' name. Amen. So that is our episode or edition of Get the Word on it for today. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the Word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.